What is up, everybody, to the nations worldwide? This is the Travel Couple Podcast, where we introduce you to couple travelers who offer their advice on how you can travel the world together while earning money, living that digital nomad lifestyle. We're your hosts, Mike Pletz and Natalie. Tune in every Wednesday as we interview couples living a digital nomad lifestyle, traveling the world while earning an income, and get relationship advice about being on the road with your significant other. Listen how others are struggling and thriving in their personal and business lives, all while traveling the world. This is your one-stop podcast for travel, relationship, and business goals. Check out us online at tothenationsworldwide.com to see everything that we've got going on. And join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash tothenationsworldwide. In today's episode, we talk with online business owners Jim and Kim. Jim provides one-on-one mentoring to people looking to start their own business at theuntamedentrepreneur.com. Kim is an artist and founder of Vega Beyond, where you can find her at kimudan.com. We talk with them about starting your own business, building an audience, and traveling the world together. So without further ado, here's our interview with Jim and Kim. Today we are joined by Jim and Kim. Since March 2017, they have been living nomadically whilst running their own businesses. Kim is an artist and founder of Vega Beyond, whilst Jim provides one-on-one mentoring to people who are looking to start their own business. Hello, Jim and Kim, and welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, how are you? Thanks for having us on. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to be on this podcast with us. Thank you so much. Let's just get started by letting you, the two of you tell a bit about yourselves to our audience. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the two of us, it's quite a long story, so I'll try and keep it short. The two of us met when we were really young. We actually went to the same school together. So we met when we were 11 years old, and then we became close at about 17 when our school kind of, um, we went into college, basically. And we'd always kept in touch. The two of us have always traveled, but independently before we got together as a couple. So from 17, we always kept in touch. We Skyped. Um, we actually wrote letters, didn't we? Um, a I'm little not bit. To say when... that on <laughs> 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 we wrote letters to each other when I was in France um, doing a ski season, and Jim was back in England, and then when Jim was in Canada. But we won't go into the details. And then we actually got together coming up five years ago, when Jim came back to England. I was currently in England. And it was actually while we were traveling, we decided to do a, a weekend away just as friends at the time. And then, yeah, it kind of, well, Jim got me drunk in Barcelona. That's the story. <laughs> Kim, Kim, Kim realized what she'd been missing for the last 10 years. Basically. Um, gotcha. So it's great. So, we, yeah, we know each other really, really well. Our families know each other. So it just made sense. So, yeah, coming up five years, we've been a couple, but we've known each other for about 20 years, which is scary. Wow. That does make you sound old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that is an incredible story, and you've known each other for so long. Has that um, has knowing each other really well just translated perfectly into your relationship together, basically? Yeah, it, it, basically, we didn't need to. There was no getting to know you period. It was a case of once we once we realized we wanted to be together. It was, there was no warming up necessary. It was just you know everything just, just sort of hit the ground running because we knew each other, we, we knew exactly what each other liked, we knew what we were passionate about, we trusted each other implicitly 
we all we had sort of mutual friends our families vaguely knew each other um so yeah it's, it meant the relationship starts off really really strongly and we yes yeah, so we got together in spain but then i was living in australia at the time so kim moved to australia about six months later where we lived but i'd been there by the time we left for five years kim you would join me for us three years and then yeah we left started traveling from from australia so um, by the time we started traveling, we'd like I say we'd known each other. We'd we'd lived together in Australia for a few years, so it, all the all the pieces were in place. Basically, made it nice and easy. <laughs> That's awesome for sure. So I'm gonna just jump right in and talk to you guys about travel. And when I when I go through this section, I like to start with a simple two word question that for so many couples has such a complex response. And that question is why travel? Well, I think that if you're thinking of the, the, the six human needs, you know, significance, variety, certainty, contribution, um, and I can't remember what the other ones are. Um, for, for me, I'm, I'm, I can't speak for Kim. I'm pretty sure I know the answer anyway. But for me, variety is, is a huge need of mine. I get bored quickly. I get bored in the same place, in the same job, with the same people, with the same environment. So traveling ticks a huge box for that for me. And I love seeing new places. I mean, I don't just give an answer that I'm sure every single one of your guests gives about, about meeting new people and seeing new things. But it's just for me, it's about, you know, ticking that variety box, not having too much structure and rigidity and, and sort of flying by the seat of our pants. I don't, I, you know, if I have too much planned out, it sort of scares me a little bit. It's probably the, probably the male commitment phobe in me. Um, and I enjoy different climates, different activities and being able to do those things as and when, uh, is brilliant. And also one of the main reasons for me is I was living in Australia, but I used to live in Canada before that. So I had, I've got friends in the UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and, and I, I was getting to a point where I was missing too many major events like weddings, um, and stag do's or, or, or uh, bachelor parties as you'd call them. And I realized I didn't want to miss any more. So traveling, one of the remits of it was that we were going to be able to go and do and attend any events we wanted to whenever we wanted to and not be, not be, not be bound by our jobs. That's, that's the main thing for me anyway. But, but Kim, I think you've sort of got your own nuances to that. Yeah, absolutely. The variety is huge for both of us. Um, but also from my creative um, business as well as just the person that I am, the inspiration is, um, yeah, huge. Going to a new place all these new cultures and colors and everything that goes into my my personal artwork but also what Jim was saying about the people and the friends that we've met because both of us have always traveled I heard this a couple of months ago and it's it's socializing globally we love going to different events and catching up with people so that's definitely part of the planning that we do is to to see people that we know and go to places that we have relationships yeah and hosting people and being hosted by friends yeah like you know, we we love that side of things. It's so much more entertaining when you can when you can go to a country and, and know somebody who's already there or a city and, and hang around with them rather than just doing it by yourself. So having that having that sort of interspersed occasionally is, is is awesome. Yeah. For sure, definitely. Where were the two of you last? Where are you right now? And where are you traveling to next? We were in the UK last. 
we where were we uh, when did we get there we got there about october and we stayed through until january which was a long time especially for me during the weather in the uk <laughs> over that time of year right. they we, we we were brought to the uk by kim had an art fair an international art fair in switzerland so we sort of based ourselves in the uk first so she could get prepped for that and then we were in the uk we, we both wanted to spend christmas with our families and we haven't that's the first time we spent christmas in the uk for four years and so, so that was a major thing for us. And then we stayed there till sort of end of January, at which point we moved to Mexico, which is where we are now. And we're in Playa del Carmen, which is on the um, on the east side, as I'm sure you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the Yucatan Peninsula. And we're here for three months as well. And then next up is Cuba. So um, last year we did about nine countries and some places we were in, in, in for like four days or two weeks or a month and we realized there was a lot of moving and a lot of sort of up, up sticks and, and not, being, you know, not being able to settle down or get any roots or immerse ourselves in the culture. So we wanted to slow down this year, which is, which is what we've started doing so far. Gotcha. Yeah, Natalie and myself have been planning a trip to Cuba sometime this year. We don't know yet, but that's definitely up there for our, on our list. What are you guys going to do when, when you're in Cuba? Well, we're going to start off in Havana. We're actually being joined by Jim's godfather, so that'll be really nice to um, to travel with him. He's joined us a couple of times. He came to Australia, didn't he, to see us? So that'll be really cool. So we're in Havana, I think, for four days, and then we're going out into the countryside. We've got a place um, in the yeah to do some hiking and to see the, to see the um, the countryside. So we don't really know too much about it. We need to do some planning. Yeah, well, we say that a lot, but we never actually get around to it. (laughs) (laughs) But we do like to um, take opportunities as they come. So sometimes we don't necessarily plan too much, do we? So when we decided to come to Mexico, we did actually sort out our accommodation beforehand, which gave us that little bit of stability. Mm -hmm. Um, But Cuba, we're kind of going with the flow a little bit at the moment, aren't we? We haven't looked into it too much. So, yeah, if you've got any... um, if you, from your research, if you've got any tips and hints and inspiration, we'd love to hear it. And any of we'll your definitely, listeners. Yeah, we'll definitely keep in touch about that for sure. Mm-hmm. So you, you were saying in the past year you, you went to nine countries, some shorter times, some longer times. What country had the longest or the, the uh, most lasting impact on you guys that you guys were just blown away by it? Uh, that's a good question. Um Probably New Zealand for me. I've never been to New Zealand. Like I said, I lived in Australia for five years. But before that, I lived in, in British Columbia. And I'm, I was friends with lots of Kiwis and Australians living over in Whistler, in the mountains and the lakes and everything else. And so many of them said, you, if you love this place, you'd love New Zealand. And I've always wanted to go. And when I lived in Australia for five years, it was, you know, we're in Perth. So it seems like it's close, but it's not. It's, you know, it's like an 11-hour, 12-hour trip over to New Zealand. So when we finally got to go, it was absolutely epic. And it was the winter time. We had a camper van, and we were there for the, for the Lions Tour, which is, um, which is a rugby tournament, which is basically Britain and Ireland have a rugby team every four years, and they play uh, New Zealand, South Africa, and Australia, you know, rotating every four years. So they actually only, ever, they only play in New Zealand every 12 years. Um, so we, we, we were both massive rugby fans. We, we met actually playing rugby when we were 11 and, and, you know, huge bucket list items to tick off. So we, we realized we couldn't miss it It as well out of our way, but 
we went over there and we spent a month there in a camper van during the winter. We did the North Island, we did the South Island. And living in a camper van, as I'm sure you know, you you have so much more flexibility and freedom to stay in, say longer in places, to move on from places if the weather's no good. And you see the, so much more of nature, which is what we both love. So the sun rises, the sun sets, you know, cooking in the van right next to a lake. And, and the, you know, I, I actually went back through my photographs a couple of days ago. I was showing somebody and I, I, even I was surprised by how, how amazing the scenery was again. I was like, wow, it was really good, wasn't it? So <laughs> you come around every corner. It's like, wow, that's the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it literally another, was like that, wasn't it? Another corner. Wow, no, that's the best thing I've ever seen. And then and then the action, <laughs> the availability of adventure sports out there is is epic. So even even just a small little village in the middle of nowhere has a whitewater rafting center. And, you know, there's hundreds and thousands of them. There's jet boating and bungee jumping and mm. um, just whitewater rafting and yeah so much epic stuff so that was that was certainly it for me I don't know about you Kim yeah New Zealand because of the rugby I think uh, like Jim said it only happens every 12 years in New Zealand and the rugby culture that we both have grown up with is just so awesome in New Zealand because it's the national sport and the rivalry and the the camaraderie of the sport yeah. is is epic and we were welcomed with open arms you know there's thousands of fans that go over from Britain and Ireland for this tournament and everybody knows what's going on everybody's talking about it and we stayed in our camper van in the car park of a rugby club for um a few nights didn't we they just opened the whole place up and it was yeah it was like we were part of the family so that was really yeah a, a huge experience for both of us that we've looked back on and absolutely loved it didn't we and it was the first time britain and ireland had won a game in new zealand for <laughs> yeah. what 30 years and we, we were at those three games three major tests and we were at the winning game yeah. Um, nice. Which was which was amazing. So that might never happen again. Yeah. <laughs> that that sounds like such a great experience for sure. Um, yep. So I'm sure you guys can agree that when you're traveling, there's so many unexpected things that come up, and with those unexpected things come many different types of experiences. Do you guys have an awkward, embarrassing, or hilarious travel experience that you'd like to share with our audience? Yes. There'll be quite a few. No, there's, there's quite a few. Um, <laughs> I suppose this one, this one comes into the. If you were me, it was really painful and not awkward, but just exhausting. And if you were everyone else in the car, it was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I was in the car. And it was hilarious. Kim was in the car. My, my brother, my middle brother, was in the car, and my best friend was in the car. And it was uh, it was in Siena in Italy, a really old historic city in um, in Tuscany in Italy. And we had been uh, we Kim and I had been traveling. This was before we were properly traveling, and we, before you know when we were still sort of naive as to how much you could achieve in a short space of time. So we'd we'd done six countries in two weeks around Europe, which was exhausting. And we were getting the train all day and sleeping for like four hours and getting another train somewhere else. And then we'd driven through Hungary in a day, which was, I think I drove for like 11 hours during the like an absolute torrential downpour the whole time, which was mentally and physically exhausting. And then we got to Italy and we spent a few days. And then, so I didn't realize how tired I was. And then the, the, the last thing you want to do when you're really tired is meet my, my middle brother and my, and my friend. <laughs> who are both very, very full on and energetic. And, and obviously we just wanted to go out on the beer straight away. So we, um, I, I picked them up and it was me that was driving the car. And we drove through all the hills in Tuscany. It was absolutely amazing. And then, and then we got near Tuscany, which was, uh, sorry, near uh, Siena, which is where our first night was. 
and I don't know if you've ever driven in Italy or if you know anyone who has, but it's it's not the most painless experience in the world. It's in fact it's fairly horrific. They they treat the cars like dodgems over there, <laughs> and this <laughs> and because it's such an old historic town, Google Maps just could not deal with the one-way streets and the cobbled alleyways and the things that looked like roads but weren't. They were just they were thoroughfares and. We, we started, the Google Maps started having a meltdown about two miles out, and our place was right in the heart of it. And to cut, a, to cut a very long story short, we ended up driving down the middle of a cobbled street at about two miles an hour because people were walking around us. It was like walking down the middle of a shopping mall. And oh, yeah. we were just staring into the window. Everyone, Kim, Sam, and Rich were absolutely pissing themselves laughing. And I was in the front seat going, oh, my God, I just want to get a beer. I just want to go to bed. I'm absolutely knackered. <laughs> so we had to do, we had to do, a, we had to do a, a three-point turn in a church like a courtyard, like the forecourt at the front of the church. We're definitely not supposed to be driving. And then eventually we got a tap on the window. That's how slowly we were driving from a police officer who was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> you were definitely not supposed to be driving. <laughs> they were like, I don't, well, this is where we're trying to go. This, you know, And uh, they, we got a police escort walking. And then we she said, right, I can't take you any further than this. You've got to go up here. So, right, we got lost again because Google Maps was having a meltdown. So we got another oh, police no. escort. And then eventually we finally got to where we were. And, uh, yeah, that was, it was exhausting. Hilarious for everyone else that I was just, I just wanted to be anywhere else but there. But if it was me in the back seat, I would, I would have definitely laughed. So I can't, I'm not blaming yeah. them. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Okay, so flipping this another way, traveling together, have you ever, or do you have a, a the worst travel experience that you'd like to share? Um, the worst one. It's quite hard to. Um, I think we always try and flip it around, don't we, and just kind of view everything that's an experience rather than being, rather than being bad. Is it challenging? I think actually when we were in New Zealand last year, we first picked up the van, and because we have our own businesses. We just tried to do everything, didn't we? We were trying to work. We were trying to go hiking, see the scenery, get involved with the atmosphere of the rugby tournament. So that was really challenging because we were just trying to do too much, weren't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, we kind of had to have this little sit down and a word with ourselves and be like, look, what's the objective? Why are we here? And so we kind of took it a little bit of a backseat work-wise, didn't we, during that time? Because driving around, trying to do everything all at once, it was like we weren't making the most of the experience. We weren't making the most of where we were and, and what we were trying everything, to achieve. Everything was suffering as a result. We weren't doing anything properly. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, work was the first thing that took a hit. <laughs> yeah. Right. We right. can do that at time. <laughs> Are we going to stop exploring? Are we going to stop driving? Are we going to stop seeing cool things? Are we going to stop working? Right, we'll probably stop working. <laughs> yeah. That was tough. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we've had a couple of things, you know, turning up to hotels and no one's there and, there was one time before we started living nomadically when we were in Europe, the same trip actually as when we went to Siena, we were in Hungary and we arrived late at the train station and we rocked up to this Airbnb that we booked and it was literally just one night because we were getting a train the following morning somewhere else and the train the next day was like four in the morning so we were literally coming in for a couple of hours, maybe three hours to to sleep for the night but then we rocked up there and the lights were off, no one was home. It was like two it was like midnight when we rocked up. Yeah, and we had to walk yeah. and it was really dodgy. There was like derelict buildings and I was so scared. And Jim was really brave and went into this place. <laughs> I am brave. Yeah, just... He was really brave and he used this high school German to get by and I was really impressed. So nice. um, 
And then we kind of had, there was a key in the door, wasn't there? And you went in and it was pitch black. And I stayed kind of outside with the bags. And we end, anyway, we ended up getting into this place. But it was so sketchy. We ended up, yeah, semi-breaking into this place <laughs> yeah. where we booked a room. But there, I mean, there was a there. key in the door, but there was no one, there was no staff yeah. there. There was no lights on. But they kind of knew, they must have known we were coming because there was a key in the door. But, you know, you don't really feel like you can walk into someone. I mean, it wasn't a house, but it wasn't like a... It was, it, there was about was like, 10, or, 10 or so rooms, yeah. and I was just looking around, and eventually I found a door with a key in it, and I was like, oh, is that ours, or is there, gotcha. is there somebody inside with a shotgun? Yeah, so it's yeah. a good story to tell now, but at the time, For gosh, sure. yeah, that's probably scared, the most scared I've ever been. <laughs> Definitely. That, that's a good story. So with all these experiences, how do you feel that traveling has affected your relationship together? Um. I don't think affected is the right word. I think we've definitely become, well, to start with, because we've known each other so long, we were definitely aligned in so many ways. So we've just, well, it's been a big learning curve for both of us, to be honest, because we started our own businesses at the same time as starting Nomadic Living. And it's a big step to take. You know, beforehand, we both had nine to five jobs working in the corporate sector and doing lots of normal say normal things you know had a routine and so it's a big step to start with but then starting our own businesses at the same time and just massive learning curve and I I think we just had to spend a lot of time talking about it and Mm -hmm. discussing what our objectives were why we were doing this and just being each other's cheerleaders and making sure that when we did have down times just to make sure that Mm -hmm. we both had each other and our relationship is so strong that it's probably got stronger. Yeah, and you you get to know each other so much so much more so than you know just living together and working together is one thing, but I mean spending a month in a tiny camper van where you can barely stand up, and running a business and cooking, and traveling and sleeping <laughs> together in the same like tiny little space. You know, if you can get through that, you, you you do find out a lot about each other that you didn't realize you knew and. I think you just get better at compromising. You get better mm-hmm. at understanding the other person's needs, knowing full well that if if you try and make it all about you all the time, it's going to backfire fairly quickly. Yep. So I think it's it strengthened it. It's clarified things. Yeah. So continuing sure. on from that, because you guys have known each other for so long, do you guys still find ways to learn more about each other through your travels? Does something always uh, present itself that makes you think, oh, I didn't know about that about you before, or uh, do you guys find yourselves oh, I, like thinking that you already knew that this person was going to react this way? How, do, how does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. I think because there's so many new things that we're experiencing, especially you know throwing in the business aspect, we're, new, we're both new to businesses. Well, as of 12 months ago, we were both new to businesses, and, and 12 months in the business world is, is, is you know very much its infancy. So from a from that perspective, which plays a huge role in our life because that's what we we spend probably most you know the vast majority of our time doing. There's always going to be new things, learning how each other copes with businesses, how we cope with with setbacks in our work, how we cope with celebrations in our work, and and also you know when you when you're I suppose when you hang around with new people who've never met you before, they ask questions of of your partner. You know, someone asks questions of Kim or someone asks questions of me that the other person didn't think to answer or didn't think to ask. So then when I hear the answer, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I might not have guessed that answer. And I think as well, because like Jim says, with the the business side of what we're doing, just helping each other, Mm. helping each other. You know, if we know the answer, we can find the answer out 
together or you know we definitely talk a lot about it I mean with Jim's business what he does he's helped me you know huge amounts with what I'm doing but I'm sure we'll talk about that in a in a little while but um Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's interesting and yeah it's always growing and we're always learning yes it's great yeah 100% so do you guys have any other advice you'd like to give travel couples out there when it comes to their relationship and traveling um yeah absolutely and I think we've touched on it a couple of times and I think the fundamental thing is to have alignment with your objectives. So what are you trying to achieve when you're traveling? Um, whether it's what places you want to go to, what what you want to achieve, how you want to be fulfilled from your experiences. I think if that's in alignment with the two of you, that will be huge to make the most of your experience and to enjoy it. I think that's the main thing, isn't it? To, to have a good time and to make sure that you're getting everything at possibly that you can from each experience yes and then, and then wherever there isn't alignment because you can't be aligned on everything Kim and I are lucky that we have so much in common and we love doing so much similar stuff but there are bits that we you know that we don't necessarily love that the other person does and when it comes to those things you've just got to get really clear on what they are and communicate openly about you know what what it is that you want to do so so if, if you know don't suffer in silence so if, if Kim's sitting there after a couple of days in a, in a new country and she's sort of itching to go and immerse herself in more culture and see more arty, arty, you know, creative things, you know, tell me, let me know. And then, I, you know, she either goes and does it by herself and I don't give it, you know, I give her the space to do that. I don't try and hold her back or I go with her and appreciate the fact that she will come with me on something that I enjoy at another, another occasion, but just compromising and, and getting really clear on that um, on what the other person wants to do. Because ultimately, if the other person's happy, then the chances of you being happy are much higher. So, mm. you know, making sacrifices is, is massively important. And that's the case in any relationship. But when you're traveling, it's just so much more heightened. And um, I suppose the final thing would be to make sure that you do you do get time apart. Because it would be too easy to just stay in the same house, work it. Like for us, you know, we get the apartment, we work all day, we, we get up at 5 a.m., start work at like 6, 6.30. And then sometimes you work through until 7 or 8 at night. Um, it's just really important to make sure that you do make an effort to go out, spend time apart from each other and get new experiences so that when you, you know, it's constantly freshened up, you don't get sort of, you know, familiarity breeds contempt, doesn't it? So if you can, if you can throw in a bit of variety in there and, t- and time with other people, then that would, uh, you know, I think that would add a lot of value as well. For sure. Definitely good advice. So the two of you have your own online businesses and what, before we jump into that, what was the, the catalyst or the jumping off point to you, the two of you deciding to take this leap and to create your own online businesses? That's a, a good question and I'll try and keep the answer short. <laughs> um, I struggle with keeping answers short generally, but this one's potentially <laughs> a, a massive one. Um, yeah. It was, I was, you know, the, the short version is I was driving to work one morning and uh, in Australia, in Perth, and I just sat there and had an epiphany. I'd been listening to podcasts, business podcasts, traveling podcasts for a little while, and um, and I just had a, had an epiphany. At that point, Kim and I were planning on buying an investment property in Perth that we would then live in for tax reasons for a year, and then and then rent it out or let it, sorry, and then travel the world and carry on doing our our full time jobs up until that point. And I was just driving to work one morning, had an epiphany. I was like. I know what we need to do. We need to we need to quit our jobs now. We need to start our own businesses and start traveling the world now. 
And then I spent all day at work convincing myself that, that was the only way to go. And I had no, there was no other option for me. And that was occasionally that that's happened twice in my life. It's weird. And there every five years I get these epiphanies. It's so strange. So yeah. then by the time I got home from work, um, I sort of sat him down. So um, I've got an idea. Sit down. And then I told her. And then I, it's only afterwards I realized how lucky I was that she said, yes, OK, without <laughs> any need for explanation or justification. It was like, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. So I think your timeline was a little bit sooner than I expected, though. Yeah, I wanted to go. I wanted to go the next day. Yeah. <laughs> Kim was Kim was more realistic, and so we went about six months later. Um, and I, I think see. one of the um, the one of the uh, the most important factors as well. And looking back, it's unfortunate at the time, but in hindsight, you know what an opportunity. Unfortunately, at the time, our visa, our permanent residency visa for Australia, didn't go through. So we really had to do some thinking on what we were going to do. And it was around the same time that Jim had these ideas. So it wasn't a case of do we stay in Australia or not? We couldn't stay in Australia. So mm-hmm. that was the um, that was the next step, wasn't it? And I definitely went through a few months of, I call it being in no man's land. You know, we like Jim said, we were going to buy a property in Australia and, and live in it for a year. And then travel. So I kind of had a year in my head where we were going to still be settled and have a good income and, and things like that. Because when we started our businesses, we, like I said just before, we did everything all at once. We jumped in two feet. So I, necess- I wouldn't necessarily advise that because it was quite hard mm. to deal with. Right. You know, you're trying to enjoy the traveling. Because we went to Japan first from from Australia and then trying to start your own businesses and a little bit like when we're in New Zealand trying to do everything all at once it's quite overwhelming so Mm -hmm. yeah I wouldn't suggest do that but I would definitely suggest you know thinking on it and seeing if there's people out there who want to do what we're doing you know obviously get in touch and you're more than welcome to ask us some questions but maybe take one thing at a time you know go go and do some long-term travel get a sabbatical from work and, and try it before before you go and, and jump both feet in. Yeah, or, or take little breaks and try and work remotely when you go away for you know, a weekend or a week at a time. It, it, it yeah. really does depend on what your personality is like and what your situation is financially, uh, your relationship with your kids or whatever. I mean, for us, we're both fairly, um, we've got a high risk tolerance. Um, you know, we've mm-hmm. been saving up, so we had the money. If, if the, we, we didn't treat it as a risk at all, if, which you know, is never gonna happen, but if the businesses didn't succeed like we thought they would, then we had that buffer there and, and we just we thought that whatever money we spend is is a, is a lesson it's not wasted it's not down the drain because it would be an amazing experience we'd learn from it so no matter what happened it was going to be a win um yeah but uh yeah that's probably that would probably be it so let's talk a little bit about the two of your online businesses let's start with uh jim in, in the untamed entrepreneur can you introduce to us uh what this is all about Yes, sure, Kando. The, uh, the the mission I have is to is to help people align themselves with their purpose and with their passions um, through entrepreneurship. And it's a journey. It's a journey I went on. It culminated took took about two years when I was living in Australia, and it was around the time when I had this this idea of, of starting travel. That was the sort of nadir um, of it. And I was thought, right, okay, at some point I want to get into business, but what business? what business do I want to run, what's designed, what can be designed around me, my, what I'm great at, what I what I love doing, and what, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of lifestyle I want to lead. 
because I was I was getting more and more dispassionate about the job I was in. I was waking up later in work. I was go I was arriving in the office later. I was caring less when I got there. I was becoming a bit more bitter towards my coworkers, and my boss, and everything else. And at some point, I was like, right, this isn't something's got to change here. I, I stopped being really excited about every morning, um, which has always you know been a characteristic of me and, and the jobs I've had and the lifestyle I've had. Um, so at some point, I said, right, this has got to change. So I spent so much time and money and energy trying to establish what business it is that I was going to do. Because if I was going to do a job, it was, you know, do it properly type of thing. Right. And, and ultimately, ironically, I realized that, that what I wanted to help people with was to go through the same process I'd gone through. Because I know so many, especially now, now working in this industry, I know so many people who, who talk about that they're, they're longing for travel, they're longing to, to be more purposeful, they're longing to, to live their passions more intently and to, to do something then that's more fulfilling for them and they, they don't know what that thing might be. So so basically my, my mentoring is, is helping people go through that process and I've got a, I've got a five-step process to help people get clear on, on their identity, what their mission might be, what their passion is about, who their customer should be, you know, who the, who are they inspired to serve and then we go on to then discuss, okay, what does the what might a business look like and how can it be designed around you? Um, and then I have uh, another, the other sort of half of my clients are, or are business owners already. And it's the same five steps. It's just getting clear on their identity, getting clear on where in the business they should be operating to be in, in, in a flow state as often as possible to be adding maximum value and having maximum amount of fun. Who their target market is, get really clear on that. What their products or services are, get really clear on that. And also what the mission of the company is. With it, with the, the the general idea being simplicity, minimalism, keeping it simple. You know, no, don't overcomplicate things. So, um, that's that. They're the two strands of clients I have, and then I have I have clients in Canada, USA, Greece, and the UK. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, I love it. Nice. It's absolutely awesome. Awesome, and then and then Kim, tell us a little bit about Vega Beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Vega Beyond is. A concoction of my passions which is art photography and travel and I'm a visual artist I use my background in photography before working in the corporate sector in Perth I was a photographer for about 10 years and whilst I was working in Perth I carried on that so I was working on the side and then I was doing lots of different creative projects I always need something to um, you know that outlet that creative outlet so I started doing the technique I do now about two years ago, and it's a mixed media artwork using black and white strong imagery from travel um, as the foundation of the work. And then I do a lot of research into color culture and everything that surrounds what color means to people, what color means to different communities, and also color in nature which differs so much um, depending on where you are and what countries you go to. So the nomadic lifestyle really fuels my creativity. And like Jim said about getting into flow, this, this lifestyle is certainly, um, you know, providing all the ideas and the inspiration that I need to do my work. And what I try to do is I'm not necessarily a teacher in, in that kind of sense of the word, but I do believe in if I can lead my own life full and creative and and to the best of my ability I can hopefully inspire people to do the same thing so I realize there's lots of different ways people can be creative and I think and I believe should I say that it's so important for somebody's ultimate happiness and fulfillment to be creative and to mm. use 
that part of you you know it could mm -hmm. be like for me I'm an artist or for Jim it's creating ideas and helping other people you know build businesses for other people it might be I don't know being creative with their travel plans or just the smallest things everybody is creative in their own unique way so I really try to inspire people to lead creative and full lives and travel is a huge part of that because so many people are inspired when they go to different countries. Mm. So with my own artwork, I really try and perfect, you know, I really try and put that into the work so it comes across. And, you know, I, I'm very well aware that people have different opinions on artwork and, you know, whether they like it or not like it. You know, the concept behind my work is a little bit more deep, which it is in lots of people's artwork as well. But it's a very much a reflection of how I live my life. It's bold. Um, there's elements of minimalism in there, inspired by colour and very much so driven by the travel that we do. I think I think for both of us, just yeah. just to jump in, I think for both of us, you know, that what's really central to all that is knowing exactly what it is you love doing and right. what you want to spend most of your time doing. I have conversations with people all the time. Oh, I'd love to live the lifestyle you lead, but... And then they come up with some crap excuses to why they can't do it. And it's, it's limiting beliefs and it's, and it's barriers that people put up for themselves. No one else is putting up. In some cases, there's family constraints or relationships or whatever. But in most cases, it's constraints that they put, that barriers that they put up themselves. And what we both are inspired to do and what we both love doing is helping people sort of debunk myths. And by do, you know, doing it by example and say, look, this is what's stopping you. I mean, we, we said to ourselves, look, if we're, we're young, we're not married, we don't have kids, we haven't got a mortgage. If we can't do this now, we're never going to do it. And if we can inspire people by doing it then and sort of educate people and inform people as to, as to the ways and means of doing that, then that's something that, we're, um, that we would both love to do and both, and both strive to do all the time. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And, and I like that you said that you guys, you know, you uh, it, it, like Jim was saying before that he wanted to do it the next day. But you guys, you took your time with it and you, you planned it out before you, you went ahead and to go with it. But during that time, I, I know with a lot of people starting an online business or starting a business business in general, it's difficult to get that that first little bit of momentum or that that first traction to really light the spark that is your your business. How did you guys go about doing that? What do you guys have a, a specific tool you used or um, anything that you want to give our listeners as advice to get that that initial traction for your business? Yeah, absolutely. For me, you've just got to start. So if you have an idea of what it is that you're passionate about and what you think a business might be based around. Don't worry about the nuances, the nuts and bolts of how you're going to make money from it yet. Don't worry about how you're going to find customers. Just start doing it. If it's if it involves helping people in some way, start helping people. Find out who you want to help the most, in what way you want to help them, and then just start serving people. You get so much feedback from that. You get so much positive energy. You get so much momentum. If it's writing or even if, even if it's something that's an idea you have, just get it out on paper. Start talking to people. You'll find that as you as you start to talk about it or write it down, it helps manifest the idea. People will then start to hear about it, give you feedback, and it just it just gets that ball rolling. And for me, the first thing was just with my with my initial business idea was just to start writing about my story up to that point. And I, I only wrote a page and then abandoned it because that was it. That was all the ball started rolling. And then I switched on to writing, you know, designing and building a website. And I think once you start, you'll then 
like you said, you'll you'll go off onto another little tangent maybe, and the, the more you do that, you'll get clarity on what it is you definitely want to do. And I think for both of us, actually, once we'd realised what the, the crux of it was, what the core of our purpose was, if you like, mm-hmm. um, that's when you can really start to dig deep. But, yeah, just go out and, um, and try a few things, and then it will become more clear as where you want to focus your energy, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, just an example, I was, I was talking to someone last week, uh, having a, a free call with him to try and help him out because he's got this business idea he's been procrastinating about for ages. So we got clear on what, what it is that he wants to do and who he wants to serve. And he wants to help people who have sort of had injuries, who then really struggle to get back into whether it's work or relationships or whatever it might be, just the mental side of things. So he's talking how passionate he wants to help people. I'm saying, well, you know, you've got to put yourself in a position where you can do that more often and provide that fulfillment and that engagement and also that feedback. So, you know, I saw a video yesterday. He's, he's just started his own Facebook group. So, you know, it's free to start a Facebook group. He's probably helped people in the past to so just invite them in, ask for referrals just to get people in. And all he has to do is just start posting videos, start asking questions, start, you know, inviting people to come on a call with him. He's not making any money from it yet, but who, who cares? He can do that for six months while he's still doing his current job. But he's just, he's just getting that ball rolling and getting that feedback and that momentum. Definitely, yeah. So then the two of you have... Um... Uh, Jim, you need to find clients for your business, and Kim, you need to find an audience that that is uh, interested in your artwork. How do you? Can you give a little uh, small piece of advice about how you, how do you find those people? Where where do you find them to, to to get that ball rolling to get some traffic? Well, I suppose it goes back to what I what I mentioned before in the in the five steps that I take people through. You've got one of the one of those steps is to get really clear on on your who. So who is it that you really really want to serve? Not just not just sort of think, oh, I can make money from that audience, but who are you inspired to serve? Because you've got to be inspired by what you're doing, and you've got to be inspired by who you're serving. And once you get once you get that, you can say, right, okay, this is the person I have in mind, and 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 I get my clients to create an avatar, like a proper template. Give this person a name, an age, a social status marital status family situation hobbies everything else so then you can get ultra clear on who that is and then once you once you can get clear on who they are then you can say right well you know okay i've got a demographic of 25 so in my case i've got a demographic of 25 to 35 year old males who sort of live you know who are who are active and, and sort of gregarious and sort of out there where are they going to be now i know who they are where are they going to be hanging around what whether they're on facebook groups whether they're in specific countries or regions or, or what have you um for me and and then you've got to bring it back to what kind of business you want to run so i i do one-on-one mentoring which means it's it's high value low volume i'm not selling a million books at, at 10 or 20 dollars each i'm i'm bringing clients on for much much higher higher value but then because it's my time i only need you know 10 15 clients so right. the way i approach clients is different to the way somebody who would be selling a, a you know a 20 dollar product so for me it was all about my network and again, it's going back to my strengths and what I enjoy doing. I've always enjoyed building a network and I've always enjoyed just making friends and learning and growing, growing my, my list of people I know. So I've all my attention. I tried, I dabbled in Facebook advertising for a while, but not worth it for me uh, because it would have taken too long and too much money to, to obtain clients for that. So I said, mm-hmm. I went out of my network quite, you know, quite proactively and then, and then referrals on top of that and based on what I like doing and what my business is. And that's, all of my clients have come through either my own network or, or one degree removed from that. Yeah, and I think just to add to that, net, network is, is huge. So if you've got an idea, if it's very at the start of what you want to build, just talk about it. 
talk about it to your network, talk about it to your friends, your family, your colleagues, and then just verbalizing it and getting it out there is such a huge step because, you know, then it kind of, you've said it out loud and it's starting to become a little bit more real and then you'll do something else. And it's just those little steps you can take to, you know, make it get a bigger reality. So yeah, network is really big and we're both, we're both, I mean, I was quite shy to start with because artwork is quite personal and, you know, putting myself, you know, in that, in that area to be rejected basically so I'm getting better at that but it's definitely something um I need to work on it's really it comes very naturally to Jim he loves talking loves showing off <laughs> yeah I talk to anyone even if they're not interested in what I'm trying to talk about yeah. <laughs> it just, it just doesn't bother me yeah yeah but um I was going to say something else then I've just forgotten uh yeah that's it so th- I mean there's so many people out there who who probably hold themselves back from starting a business because they hate in inverted commas sales um, sales does have a very bad word for obvious reasons. Some people find it cringeworthy, like cold calling, everything else. Sales doesn't have to be like that. So I don't like that kind of sales, but I love talking to people and, and just having honest relationships. So just don't treat it as selling your business. Just treat it as talking about it. And then as you do that more and more and, and you can prove to people that you add value, then that becomes, you know, you're just talking about your business. If it's something you're passionate about, which it should be 100%, then that sale will come across in, in the way you talk about it. And then also you will, you'll, you'll make evangelists of the people in your network and they will do the selling for you. Um, mm. So that would be a, that's a little piece of advice I'd give to anyone who's really afraid of, of selling their, their business and doesn't like trying to pitch, you know, in inverted commas, you don't have to just reframe it. And, and just, if it's something you're passionate about, just talk about it and, and your, your energy and your positivity will, will, will be obvious. Mm. Yeah. Perfect. Excellent advice, guys. So, what is next for Jim and Kim in your in your business lives, personal lives, whatever you want to say here? Wow, we don't really plan. <laughs> so it's hard to say. Um, what's next? So we're in Mexico now. We're going to be in Cuba. So travel-wise, um, that's all set for the moment. I think after Cuba, we're going to go back to Europe to spend some time in Spain. We've been learning Spanish while we've been here in Mexico. We actually started in January when we were still in the UK, but since coming to to Mexico, we've tried to immerse ourselves in the language as well. We try to do that when we travel is live, live like a local. Cause I think we, Mm -hmm. you know, people get so much more from their experience when you do that. So yes, hopefully Spain or another Spanish speaking country to um to carry on that skill it's been really fun hasn't it mm. kind of going back to school and learning something like a language nice. um which is something that i always wanted to do to do but um it's it was a bit scary and i was like oh i don't really it's too hard but then once you start to do it it's uh it's good fun yeah and it makes such a difference when you're in a place um and for me as, as well as as well as the traveling for me that last year was the sort of foundation year for the business and it's going really well towards the end of last year. It started picking up nicely, and then and then this year has carried on really well as well. So I want to just – I'm this year I'm spending building a team around me to to do the stuff I don't like doing and the stuff that I'm not really good at and sort of looking at – I hate using the word scale because it's such a cliche term in business, but ultimately when, one-on-one mentoring, my time is, you know, what I'm trading for money. So yeah. looking at – other ways bringing in group courses um you know offering like a three a three package group course for for like eight to ten people on a call at the same time and then mm-hmm. the the bigger vision after that is to is to train people up on my on my material 
on my five steps and and then have them you know sort of licensed to to do the training on my behalf so that's the vision probably for next year but then this year will be will be spent working up to that and trying to stay in my flow state as often as possible which is which is doing the calls themselves perfect awesome well there you have it jim and kim sharing their travel stories with you today on the to the nations worldwide travel couple podcast i just want to say a very special thank you to our guests for joining me on this podcast thank you so much guys thank you very much for having us yeah you're welcome it's been really fun thank you it's awesome I'm going to hand the floor over to you and anything you want to leave our audience with, um, where they can find you online, anything you want to say. Yeah, absolutely. So we both have our own websites. Mine is my name, so www.kimuden.com. And I also write a blog, so lots of things on art, photography, and travel that you can read up on. And lots of photography, lots of my artwork, and hopefully I can inspire you. I'm on Instagram, which is Vagabond, so that's my my company name. And but yeah, please just get in touch if you have any questions at all. We um, have lots of time. Well, we'll make time to answer your questions and keep in touch. And if you're traveling, if you're doing what we're doing, and you're in Mexico right now, or you're going to be in Cuba, we'd love to get some tips on you, Cuba. So please let us know. Yeah, and, and from my side, if anyone out there is is thinking about starting a business or living a nomadic lifestyle and they've kind of got questions, they, they feel like they've got more value to add to the world, but they're, they're, they're not sure on what next steps to take, um, then, yeah, let me know. Go to my website, which is theuntamedentrepreneur.com, and there's a contact form. You can read about me and the journey I've been on to get to where I am. You can read a little bit about my mentoring process and there's a newsletter you can sign up to and I, I, I share my travel stories and then and then sort of tips and, and tricks and uh, on how to start a business and yeah if you if you do sign up to the contact form I'm happy to give you a free 30 minute Skype call just to get an idea of, uh, about you and what you might be what you might be great at and how we can design a business around around your passions and your purpose so I, I'd be more than happy to give that time to any of your any of your listeners and um, and yeah we'll go from there Thank you to all of our listeners out there to the nations worldwide. We cannot express our appreciation enough for having you listen to this episode. Visit us at travelcouplepodcast.com slash 18 for this episode's show notes and to learn more. Leave a comment on the page. We'll be sure to get back to you. And if you'd be so kind, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. It would mean the world to us. You can find out more about us on our website at tothenationsworldwide.com. You can find out where we've traveled on our blog, more about our podcast, and even join our Travel Couple Book Club. This is Mike Futz and Natalie, hoping you have a wonderful adventure to the nations worldwide.